Welcome to Tech Tuesday here on INE Live. We are having some fun today. We're digging into GitHub, looking at what's hot and what's trending right now. I'm your host, Katherine Brown. We have Richard McLean with us, INE CEO and a very passionate GitHub user. So we have a really fun show ahead of us today. Before we get started, as we do each time we stream here on INE Live, just want to go through some housekeeping. Let you know we are streaming live right now across social media platforms, including LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So we're everywhere. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe with the notifications turned on for whichever platform you're using so you can stay in the loop when we do go live. And of course, we want you to get involved. Talk to us, talk to others. The stream is already cracking right now. Uh, we've got people talking to each other, talking to us already, asking some questions. We have a team monitoring chat. If you have a comment, drop it in there. Do us a favor, if you have a question, go ahead and put a cue at the beginning so we can find those questions easily and get to as many as we can today. Now let's bring in Richard, no stranger here on INE Live. Richard has been working with INE since 2008 and has been the CEO for four years. Richard, great to have you here today. Thanks for being here. I, no, thank you. It's, uh, it's awesome. I know we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago and so just to get up here and, and see it come to life is awesome as well, so. Yeah, excited to dig in. So um, just jump right off the bat, starting off, for those not familiar with GitHub, with what it is, why it's such a great tool for IT professionals, Richard, can you just kind of break it down um, how, how it can be used and how you use it. Yeah, I guess let me just like back up a little bit. I mean, I think like when, when we're looking at like developing new courses and looking for like what's happening in the IT industry, you know, I think that ever, for as long as I can remember, I've been using GitHub and looking at like what's trending on there to kind of forecast a little bit about like the future of technology and what's really popular and what's happening. And you can kind of see growth in certain areas over time. And so, uh, you know, GitHub is a really great place where people can post, you know, open source projects of, of source code um, or, you know, sometimes it goes, it doesn't have to be source code. Sometimes it's, hey, here's a bunch of interview questions. If you're getting a cyber job or you're getting a job in networking, uh, you know, it's really like becoming a community in and of itself where uh, there's a lot of interactions, a lot of using the repository kind of uh, culture but in, in more ways than just source code. So uh, it's a really great, a great tool. Yeah, and uh, as we were talking in preparation for this show, you know, I know you use this every day. You, say you scroll through it every night, just looking for, for what's popping on there. Um, going through the repos, really, um, you know, it, it seems you use it as a tool for learning these new tactics and just um, absorbing new, new and fresh ideas and ways to do things. Um, is that is that something that that you feel like has contributed in a great degree to to what you know now? Well, I think it's really hard, like because there's so much stuff happening like in, in the IT community today. Like there's so many, whether it's AI, machine learning, or mm -hmm. you know cybersecurity threats and all this kind of stuff. It's so hard to stay like up to date on what's going on. Right. And so I really challenged myself early on. I mean, obviously, I, I started. Uh, you know, in, in software development, and I was a programmer, uh, you know, got a master's in software engineering, and really was, you know, I love the development aspect, I love to be able to, like, take an empty uh, text file and convert it into something useful. I just thought, like, you know, I always wanted to be like a carpenter uh, and build stuff. But like, this was my way of doing that uh, without getting splinters. And so like, you know, I, I think like you use this as, as 
you know, I would go through and go through every night, go through the trending and see what's happening today and download the repositories, try to get them to work, try to get them to load up on my machine. And, you know, I was thinking like, hey, you know, this this routine that I'm in, like it would just be great to like get that out there and kind of share some of like what I go through on a, on a pretty much a nightly basis. Um, and just kind of like get feedback from the from our community and see like if that if that's helpful to them to kind of showcase some of these projects and just it's more about like the the methodology and, and like how you approach these things and and turning that into like uh, you know a routine for yourself to really stay ahead and stay you know up to date on, on the latest and greatest in tech and I think also you know once you start getting in and, and you find some repos you love <clears throat> and really start you know you can commit back to the repos. And, you know, from a resume perspective or from a job perspective, I really think that that is a big boost, too, because people do start looking at, you know, let's see your commits on GitHub if you're uh, in the in the IT industry. Yeah. So one one of the coolest things um, I think about today's stream is, you know, Richard, we have you on a lot to talk high level about i &E as a company, things that we're doing, things we're looking into. But you are one of technically the smartest people um, in the industry. And so really giving you a platform to showcase your knowledge and your insight and, and allow people to ask you questions, I think is, is, is a great value to our audience. So um, with that, I'm gonna kick it over to you. Let's, let's see what you go through on a nightly basis here with GitHub and, uh, and <laughs> take us through your routine and, uh, and teach us a little something. Yeah, so I mean, let's just dive in. Like we go, you know, like getting, pulling up GitHub. Um, really where I start is I go in the Explore tab here and just go into the trending projects or the re trending repositories. And, you know, as we can see, there's a lot of uh, kind of a top list of the currently hot projects in, within GitHub. Uh, typically kind of view this list on a date range going more of like a, a week to see kind of uh, what's happening. And so I've already kind of pulled some of these for this week, but we can kind of see um, there's uh there's one called here like DevOps exercises. And I saw this and I was like, oh, this would be great. You know, we, we, we're moving a lot of our uh, instructor time and a lot of resources over into cloud development and just kind of digging through here. And, and you see like, you know, there's this code aspect of like, there's, you know, these repositories, these workflows, these scripts, but there's also, you know, if you dig, dig into like kind of what, you know, in particular this project is doing, it's saying like, okay, here's a list of kind of hot topics in DevOps. Um, for example, like somebody might not be very familiar with containers, so we can dive into containers and we can see like, oh, there's exercises and solutions. So, if, you know, you kind of look at this, this is like a free course, right? This is somebody has put together, uh, I think it's Bergman Ari. This is the kind of the creator here put together, uh, you know, kind of free course that people can push to and upload new, new content to, um, and you, so, you know, the exercise being like, Hey, run some containers. Okay. We're going to make sure Docker's running and we're going to uh, run some containers using the latest Nginx, which is a web server, and then, you know, list the containers. So you have a you have the exercise here and then over here on this side, you know, it's really the solution and how to solve this. And so I think if we look back and we say, hey, the, these are the trending things that are happening right now in DevOps. And let me just get a little bit familiarity with it. Uh, I'm not too familiar with, you know, for example, Kubernetes. And so going through this would be kind of like just going through some of these exercises and understanding like how Kubernetes works, how to set it up um, and, and really walking through, you know, a day to day and, and, and just an intro really into Kubernetes. Uh, and some of these actually get pretty, pretty in depth. Uh, obviously, we can look at Git. This is kind of what, you know, you need to really get familiar with. If you want to learn GitHub, there's Terraform. Uh, I really like this project, the way it's organized around these kind of uh, technology topics. 
And, and, it, and it really, you know, looking at it from, from my perspective at INE, you know, you can look at this and say, okay, these are kind of where the, the market is pushing, right? It's pushing towards Kubernetes. It's pushing, pushing towards Prometheus. And you kind of see, um, you know, what's trending there with, you know, these technologies. Um, and some other ones, so if we move on to, uh, you know, another example here. Uh, this is in the in the top list as well. This is like a, a JSON Visio. And this, I'll just give you an example of kind of a, a project here. Uh, you know, visualize your JSON. You know, JSON is like a markup language. Uh, you know, there was this battle between XML and uh, JSON early early days. I think I think JSON has kind of capitalized the, the market. But, uh, you know, we can see like, okay, we have, uh, we can visualize and have a JSON viewer. Okay, this is this is pretty cool. So like it's it goes from, I see this and I say, well, how do I, how do I, how do I run this? And, uh, you know, I pull up a terminal here and we can, uh, we can just drop into a directory here and, you know, you come up here on this side and you can just clone this project. And so that's going to basically pull all this source code, uh, directly into our, our computer. And we can kind of see it's, uh, I can log in here with one that's. I'm sorry, I'm set up on SSH, so I got to log into GitHub here. Second, this is what happens when you when you change browsers to make sure you're running a, a clean, a clean install. All right. Just uh, logged into GitHub, you'll get the actual uh, SSH one with your keys all set. Uh, okay, and so we see that we we pulled it down, and now it's, we can just CD right into that. Uh, oops, grab the grab the wrong one. There we go. Okay, so now we can just kind of CD into that file we just did, which is JSON Visio, and then NP, and then we just kind of read the instructions that they they provide in the README here. If I can copy and paste. Um, we got to make sure we have like NPM install, which is, you know, uh, based on node. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody wants kind of help getting, getting every, you know, an environment set up, I think that's a, uh, that's also a good, <laughs> a good course, but also something I think you can find in the, uh, in the DevOps exercises uh, on, on GitHub, as well as some courses in INE. Uh, but it just to make sure you, you know, you can type like which NPM and it kind of shows, um, if you have it installed and you can check versions, uh, we won't get into all that right now, but if you're on a Mac, the easiest thing really is to install homebrew and then you can, you know, brew search brew install. But, uh, so now if we run this, we can see, uh, now this project is running, it's running on our local host at port 3000. Okay, this is, uh, so now we've got this project all up and running. Okay, and this is our, our JSON viewer. So we have our JSON file here, and obviously we, we should be able to, uh, oops, if I can, my keyboard not mess up would be great. And so we can see uh, this project is, is, is working and we pull it in and it's like, oh, okay, cool. We got a good way to visualize our, uh, our JSON. And so then I think like the next question that comes to my mind is like, okay, well, what is, uh, what is a good use of this? And so I would go to like something like mydine.com and I would click on a, a course. 
let's see. Let's go to the, let's go to keys course here. And if I inspect the element here and go to the networking tab, I should see if we refresh here, I should see some, uh, some network data coming down. Uh, cause I know that INE uses, uh, uh, why am So Richard, as you're waiting for that, uh, we had a question coming from Bob, Bob, is this running in a virtual machine? I figure you can answer that pretty quickly. Uh, no, this is actually running directly on my Mac. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could easily run these within a Docker container. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, I think that's a lot of the projects I do, I run through, a, I run by a Docker. Um, because like, you know, that way you're a completely isolated, uh, environment. And it also, you know, the, the beauty about Docker is like, you don't have to worry about any of the dependencies. It's like a prepackaged application, uh, and it makes it a lot easier to run. Um, but some of these are, are, you know, some of these like NPM and stuff like that, it's much easier to just kind of install locally and run it, uh, without, without worrying about kind of, you know, the setting up Docker and then clo closing them all down. So they're not running in the background, et cetera. But, um, I'm, let me uh, let me see if I can grab some of these. Uh, let's see. We should have some XH, XHR requests. Uh, as we can see here, like we're getting now, like the this all these payloads that are coming back from from INE, for example, are in JSON, and so if I I should be able to copy this. And now, is there a clear, clear it out, paste it in, auto format. Okay. So now we can see like the, the data coming back from INE.com, for example, and we really see how like the, you know, the backend is set up. And, and I think this is like a good use of like a project like this, where you kind of like, you know, reading this file and understanding how things are nested, uh, can be very tricky. And so having it in a, in a view like this where, okay, this is my request. This is the content. This is, you know, the vendor of the course. Okay. This is a Juniper course. It has, it's in Cisco category. It's in networking. Uh, and it has some data for the, a, a lot of data for the instructor. Okay. That's Keith's bio. Um, and then the certifications Keith has. So you can really see like this, you know, taking one project like this can really help kind of expand, uh, you know, your, your knowledge of how other systems can work. And I think this was a, a good example of that. Uh, any, any questions on this one, for example, of how we can, how we can use this? Uh, no, nothing coming in right now, although it's a good time to remind those who are watching, if you do have a question, just shoot it over to us um, and we will get it over to Richard. Um, so we, I, I'm monitoring that we have a team monitoring it. So yeah, definitely. If you have a question, uh, send it over. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And so I think like just having, having an area, like, you know, if we look back at the GitHub repos, there's so many different, um, you know, categories of, of things you can learn and things you can do. Um, and like I said, everything from machine learning, there's, there's great ones, uh, I'm, I'm digging into right now on voice cloning. Uh, there's so many kind of open source projects, uh, and you can kind of see how many companies are leveraging these open source projects to create like, you know, commercial projects on top of. Um, and so, you know, really being able to get in there get into the code, uh, pull it down, make a few tweaks, play around with it, I think is really helpful to kind of get an overall understanding of just how these things actually work. Um, and I see one here with flip, you know, for the, for our cybersecurity crowd, 
Uh, I see Flipper Zero has, has put out their firmware uh, and, and the Flipper devices. The, those are very interesting to look at if you, uh, if, you know, I think it was a Kickstarter or something, but uh, a cool little hacking device that's, uh, that's fun. Um, so I, I think the, the, let's go to the kind of back on this trending for the week. And, uh, you know, I know we do have a lot of our audiences, uh, a lot of people in the cybersecurity space. Um, and I see like one here that's called Hashcat, and it is a, um, it looks like to be a, the world's fastest and most advanced password recovery utility. And I would say from a, from a security standpoint, that sounds pretty useful. Uh, hey, Richard, we did get a question in. Um, this is from the Bearded IT Dad. Uh, wants to know, are there risks involved with GitHub projects? Uh, <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you a, a, a very relatable story, a very uh, close, close to home story on the, on the dangers. Um, you know, back, back a few years ago, we had some uh, programmer interns uh, start at INE and decided to uh, do a Git push with, uh, instead of using kind of Git ignore and ENV files, uh, we're using just putting credentials in the code, uh, and didn't realize they had set the project to public and all of our AWS keys were published out on GitHub. Uh, no joke about 24 hours later, we look at the bill and it's, you know, $40,000 on Amazon. Uh, someone had scraped the key and created just hundreds of devices all around the world in all the zones uh, mining Bitcoin or Ethereum at the time. Uh, and so I would say there are some dangers there. The other dangers I would say is that, you know, on, on the good side, a lot of the projects, uh, especially these popular projects, have a lot of eyeballs on them. The source code is obviously open, widely available. So from a danger from that perspective, I would say that that, that risk is pretty low, especially if you're looking at projects that are um, you know, really trending and have a lot of active community. Now there are a lot of, there are some projects on here that are a bit more nefarious. Um, but you know, you can kind of see those if you click through like some of the issues, uh, you know, you can kind of see people reporting issues of that as well. Um, so no, overall, I think it's pretty safe, safe place as, as long as the code you commit, uh, you're, it's either private or are intended to be public. And then, you know, the repositories that you're looking at browsing, downloading, uh, you know, either in a virtual machine, which is, you know, the, probably the best method, um, or, it, or, you know, kind of reading through some of the issues, making sure that the community behind it is, is not seemingly uh, nefarious as well. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Quick follow-up from Bob, Bob, who verifies that these projects are safe to run locally? Do you know that? Uh, no, I mean, it's really the community around it. So anybody can push a public repo. I can start generating. Uh, I can I can push a public repository up there, and it could it could you know put viruses on people's computer. Uh, but I think like the you know you you really have to be, um, and and I don't see that a lot in the in like the the trending repos and stuff like that. I think this where you kind of see that are people that push up and then they they link to it from their Twitter account or something like that. <clears throat> but most of the time, you can kind of dig into the code and really read like what what it's doing. Uh, for the most part, those repos are really kind of like Python or shell scripts. 
uh, that from what I've seen. And so you can kind of read through it and, you know, it's, but it's probably not something that, you know, that I would say that you're going to catch up on it and, and see in, in the trending and want to like dive into. Um, but there is, you know, it's, it's mostly community monitored and policed. And there are some, I know you, you, you can report uh, re repositories as well to GitHub and they, they can take them down. Uh, but I would say that's, that's less frequent. Does that help? Perfect. Uh, so yeah, so I think like, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, viewers on our, on our cybersecurity side. And so you take a look at something like Hashcat. I mean, there's, and there are so many projects that happened recently, uh, on GitHub, whether it's, uh, you know, the broken pipe or these different, uh, these different, uh, exploits that have, you know, zero days that come out and people show how to, how to exploit them. I know we've done a really good job of kind of, uh, taking those and putting up labs for them. Um, but it's also something if you want to get into the code and you want to kind of figure it out and, and, and understand how the exploit actually works, uh, I think this is a really good place to do that as well. Um, and so, for example, you know, you look at Hashcat and I could go over to uh, somewhere like uh, our, our attack defense labs and you can see like we have we have an entire, uh, you know, under password cracking here, you know, getting started of why you'd want to do it. What are the basics? And then, you know, from there into you know, hacking, you know, cracking these different types of uh, uh, files, whether it's MD5 or whether it's, uh, you know, SHA or dif different encryption types. Uh, so for something like Hashcat, you know, I really wanted to kind of understand, like, from from a perspective of how secure is the stuff that, that I make? Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that, you know, what we pass around a lot of files here at, at INE. Uh, sometimes we we create uh, Excel files, and uh, they're 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 probably labeled like you know highly confidential. Uh, and so you know I would want to take this file and save it. Uh, let's see, let's see, we can do a uh, passwords on this file. I'll just be like a, a normal user. Uh, I think in my it's, oh, whoops. I could type today, that would be so many verifications. Okay. Save that. Uh, we can put this in the now we have a, uh, a, a very secure. We can try to kill this. Uh, and try to, yeah. So if I try to open the file now, it's, it's protected. So we're good. We're secure. Uh, and then I come along something like Hashcat and I'm like, well, how secure is, is that file? Um, and I can see here, if we go into, you know, exploring the website and, and we go, you know, probably best place to start is in the wiki and let's look and see like, what are the examples, uh, that we can, uh, recover passwords for. Uh, it's a lot of MD5, a lot of SHA-1s. Uh, I see Cisco iOS routers. Uh, okay, this looks interesting. This is the you know MS Office format. Uh, I see even like PrestaShop, WordPress. I mean, uh, you name it. This looks like a 7-zip Juniper. Okay, so we can recover a lot of passwords, it seems. 
so that's that seems that seems intriguing. Um, and so the next step would be kind of like, let's can we get can we download this and run this? And I would say the first first step was I would do is do a brew, uh, which is homebrew, which is a package installer similar to Chocolate on uh, Windows. Um, uh, you know, do a brew search for Hashcat and it should pull up. Okay, we have Hashcat installed. I I, I know from uh, you know doing a ready bake oven on this one that it that that is not uh, it's not really ready for the M1 Mac that I'm using. So uh, we can jump over after doing a little bit of uh, of googling here. Uh, we can jump over and find someone has branched it and or forked it rather and and kind of created a an M1 version. And so I know we can uh, grab this guy. Let me uh, let me just make sure that uh, yeah, let me. new directory here clone this down all right and then uh the next steps when you kind of download this file is to do uh, a make so you see we have uh we should have a make file uh, yeah so you can see we have a make file in here. So we know the next step is to do a make. It's going to run and do all that. And then, um, you know, I think we, we kind of go back and this is where I kind of go back to the wiki and kind of understand like how, to, what is the, what is needed to, in order to, in order to uh, do a password recovery and, and do we have everything we kind of need? Uh, and so I think, you know, looking through the forums, reading through the wiki, you know, there's really kind of uh, some, some big, like, you know, getting started and, and what do I need? Right. And then, you know, a cheat sheet or a guide and we can kind of read through this. Okay. We got some ethics. We need the hash. Um, and I know that the, the file that we're, we're specifically trying to, uh, to, to crack right now is a, um, is a office file. So I can type the, the hashcat command here and do a dash H this should start start that up and we can kind of see the the man if you will the help on it this takes just a, just a second here maybe maybe more than a second there we go okay so um I mean, this is this is probably one of the most extensive uh, helps I've seen on a command. Um, so it's listing all the hashes. These are the different types, as we saw on the wiki. These are the different types of applications or hash types. Uh, you know, if we look something like old WordPress, you know, we know that's an MD5, uh, for example. Uh, you know, here's Kubernetes uh, password recovery, and we're we're specifically looking for the uh the microsoft office uh, uh gets under it uh is uh office 2013 and so uh, that's our that's our hash mode 
but we need to find the hash first, which is, I think like the, that's, that's where we're going to need some other kind of software to really get a hash of our, of our file. And, and then it looks like we're going to need a, if you look back at the command here, we're going to need a dictionary in order to, uh, perform the hack. We're going to need kind of something that is, uh, a, a dictionary of words or potential passwords that it can kind of try to brute force attack our file. Um, and you can kind of see, this is the, this is where I really like to start on these examples and understand, okay, this is, this is my, uh, this is my mode. I'm going for 400 is my 400. I, okay. I need a hash file and I need a dictionary. Uh, so the first thing to do is really find like, how do I get the hash file? Uh, I've already, I've already done a lot of the, uh, the Googling for you. So, uh, there's a, there's, uh, office to John. And I think John is referring to, uh, an app called John the Ripper, but, uh, so we can just, uh, we should be able to just kind of W get office to pi. Uh, and now we can, we can run kind of office to John. Okay, so we know it's looking for our file, and I'm going to try to remember where I saved that. Our super secret confidential file. Oh, it's it's up a directory. Uh, it's up two directories. Um, so we can type off it. We can do the, we can do the same thing and do. We named it confident. Confidential. Uh, okay. So now we have, let's, let's pipe that into a, a hash dot text file. And now let's go back to the example hashes for office and make sure that looks good. Search for it. Uh, okay. So. So office 2013. So it looks like we're, you know, our office to John, it outputted the file name in front of the, in front of the hash. So we can just edit that real quick. Uh, our hash side. I can type, that'd be great. I see. So now we have our, uh, our hash and we, we know our mode, uh, and, and now we need our dictionary list. And so I think this is, um, I think if you were on like Kali Linux, um, there is a, a pretty known dictionary called rock you. Um, and so I think we can, you know, you could, we can kind of Google that, uh, or we can, um, I, I've taken just a second to, to, to download that already. It is, it is a little large. Um, so now we just need to know what our command is to kind of take this hash and then run it against our dictionary. And, uh, so if we look at, let me just move the dictionary here. So, The the uh, the instructors at INE make it easier to look to go through uh, go through this stuff to me. But uh, 
just going to pull in that dictionary file. Yeah, it's, it's 140 megs of just line by line. Uh, I can actually just pull it up right here and show you. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to read the whole file here, but we can just, but you can kind of see it's just a file and we can, You know, it's all sorts of just different potential passwords that we're going to kind of brute force. And these are probably the most common passwords. Uh, and I think there's over 100,000 or so of them. So uh, so this is basically our, our password file. Um, we should be able to just run now a hashcat and then, and then the M was the 90, I think, I believe it was 9,600 was office. If we look back up there and then our we look right here at the example. Uh, now we put the hash file in, which we named hash.text. And then now our dictionary file, which I'll just based in the source, the, the location there since Mtrol find it. Uh, and then a, just a, uh, while we can run that, it's going to, it's going to start using the M1 max chip here. So hopefully, uh, according to Apple's uh, marketing material, it should be quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, while, while you're waiting for that, Richard, we've got a suggestion here uh, that this transitions into a course from you. So just oh, put, oh, put yeah. that in your cooker. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I would I would love to do some courses. I think I think a fun course I I, I think a fun course would be building an arcade with Python. So. Uh, all right, and so if we look now, we're this this is finally cracked. Uh, you can kind of see the status here. It has cracked our password, uh, and it's and it shows you kind of all the outputs here. I mean, uh, that was pretty that was pretty quick. Uh, let me see. Let me try to pull up. Here is my confidential.xls file, and so it sees the passwords right here. I put in test one two three four. Uh, so we paste that in, copy and paste it. There we go. Now we're in the file uh, just by cracking the password. And so uh, obviously uh, this could be used for, for good or evil, but uh, I like to think of it as sometimes I, I create passwords for files and I can never remember what it is. Uh, and so, you know, it's at some point you kind of stop and then you stop putting the passwords because you keep can't open your sheets anymore or, or Google Docs, uh, not Google, but uh, Microsoft Docs. Uh, but, you know, you can really just see how easy it is if you use common passwords, if you don't use kind of best practices, uh, how easy somebody can kind of just take that, especially uh, a lot of times you can do, you know, file type searches on Google, find these files uh, that, are, that aren't supposed to be public and, and easily reverse engineer the password from it. Uh, so, yeah, I just went kind of wanted to walk through and, and this is kind of uh, that 30 minutes is like typically what I do in, a, in, a, in an evening pretty much every evening and kind of go through and, and try to just figure out uh, how all this stuff works. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, so any, any questions or anything like that would be more than, more than happy to go through anything else. Yeah. So, so this is actually just a question for me. So you do this every night and you go and go through a different repo, say one or two per night, right? Just kind of what's trending, what's hot. 
uh, well, you, you you make me sound kind of nerdy talking about it like that, but uh, call him like a suit. I, I, go, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, pull, I, I literally pull this page up every night and I read through literally all of these. And sometimes I, I'll go over here and on the language side, I'll do you know either PHP, Python, or kind of just like CSS. Sometimes I like to look at like, hey, what are some cool new front end stuff that's happening? Uh, really trying to filter it down a little bit. And then, you know, on a lot of these, like if it's Flutter, you know, it's like, oh, what is Flutter? Okay, well, you know, I read through it and then I do Flutter, I do Flutter, I, I build a Flutter demo and then I'll do the Flutter kitchen sink. And then like, just kind of understanding like uh, what Flutter is pretty cool with encapsulation of HTML uh, entities. But uh, like, you know, some of this stuff you just go through and like, it's just so fun to kind of like build these projects out. And I think it just gives you so much of an understanding of like how just these things really work. Um, and some of the times you find like really cool projects that like you feel like could be useful, um, you know, whether it's in INE or in my personal life or whatever, you just find stuff that's like really kind of, uh, I, I think like fun, you know, and it's like, the, to me, this stuff, just diving into these things and really getting, getting into the weeds is really fun. Um, so yeah, I, every, every evening, <laughs> every evening, uh, yeah, just, um, there you, go. You, you know, you know where to find rich now. Yeah. Um, all right. We had a question, another question from the bearded it dad. Were there big changes when Microsoft took over GitHub? Uh, surprisingly, no, I think that, uh, we haven't really seen, you know, any, any major, you know, and it's, it's so funny cause at the same time, Microsoft was, was acquiring GitHub, uh, you know, GitLab was becoming more and more popular. Uh, you obviously had like GitHub, GitLab, and Bitbucket were kind of like the three that were competing in the space. And, uh, you know, but it, you still like, GitHub has still become like the de facto repository for open source. Obviously businesses, a lot of businesses moved to GitLab, but I think when you look at like open source spreadability uh, community around it, uh, you know, GitHub is still, you know, post Microsoft, pre Microsoft, really haven't seen much change there. I think they're. I think the, on the one benefit, you can now create private repositories as an individual, uh, which you know previously you you were kind of limited in, in that you you weren't able to create private if you were just non-paying individual. So another question coming in: um, Do you test things? I assume this is asking you and the way you use. Do you test things from GitHub in a sandbox first? Uh, it depends what it is. But I do, I do, like I said before, I do really, uh, I utilize Docker a lot. And so some of these projects, like if you think about like Hashcat, uh, for example, um, I know we have some, like I said, we have some great examples here, which kind of puts you in that container mode. So I, I will look on INE, I will look on Pentester Academy to see if there is something kind of already out there. Uh, and then the, the next place kind of going is like the Docker hub. So if you, uh, if you look at here, you can kind of start exploring some repos so we can we can look here and there's already a hashcat build of docker right so you could easily be able to kind of just create you know docker pull into this repository and kind of go through you know uh you know kind of go through the same two, two the same examples uh using a, a container instead of your own machine which that obviously prevents a lot of uh, dependency uh issues that that arise I mean, that's the number one thing you're fighting is like dependencies, whether it's Python code or whatever, you know, it, it is like, you know, fighting through, you know, we used to call it uh, D 
DLL hell back in the in the Microsoft days, and now it's kind of dependency hell um, for some of these projects. And I think that's why I get that's why Docker and and these container services have really taken off is to, to prevent that. So looking at this from like putting myself into a a management position, right? Someone who leads a team, um, an IT team at a business. Is this something that, say, a manager should encourage their team to be doing on the regular? Like, you're a CEO, you're doing this every single day, right? Is this something that managers should be encouraging their IT teams to get on here, explore, get their hands dirty, that sort of thing? Yeah, I don't know about, <clears throat> I don't know if I would tell my teams to do it every day, but I think like having your teams you know, I think having them exposed to what are these new new topics, new trends. Uh, like I said, especially on the cybersecurity side, there's so many that come up from uh, exploits that are out in the field, and then you know people will chime in like how to patch your systems. Like it's so quick. You know, it's 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 such a live live community. Uh, it's you know really, I mean, uh, usefulness is 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 exponential there for that. Um, for things like you know, if I have a pro if I have a, a team that's programming in you know C sharp MVC, uh, you know kind of MVC C sharp uh, ASP.NET, and I'm looking over here and I, I filter down these repositories, you know, a lot of times you'll see things that just kind of expedite a workflow. Uh, whether that's kind of like a GUI model builder uh, for your model view controller, or if it's you know a pipeline for your CI and and it goes in the Jenkins or Azure pipelines or whatever it may be. Like there's a lot of stuff that can like really save time. And I think just the the, the commitment to go through the stuff just kind of, um, I would say like creates a more like awareness, tech, tech awareness, makes you kind of more tech savvy um, when it comes to doing stuff that's maybe not this, right? So if you look for example, for like, if you're trying to set up Hashcat, for example, um, just like kind of going on the command line and you start, you start learning things um, that are useful everywhere else, right? So you start learning, like, how do I look at manuals? How do I read this stuff? How do I look at the help file? How do I grep the help file for exactly what I'm looking for? Uh, these kind of things. And I think like that stuff carries over to, you know, every other aspect of your job, especially from a technical perspective. Yeah, Richard, that, that goes back to a conversation you and I were having, I think last week is that, you know, peripheral knowledge really does help you zone in and be more uh, knowledgeable when it comes to very, very specific issues. So. Um, awesome. I love the comments coming in. Uh, Rich, you'll get a chance to read them later, but um, just everyone, thank you so much for taking the time to, to watch, to comment. I know this is really special to, uh, to have Richard here and just giving us some really technical, um, technical information and guidance. We are going to work to make this a more regular thing because as we know, um, Rich nerd, nerd and uh, does this every night. So, so we're going to tap him uh, once every couple weeks. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, and I would, I would, I would love to uh, get some of the creators of these projects on as well, and kind of understand their methodology and their thinking. And I think that would really kind of expand it out to uh, really get a, a deeper understanding of kind of why these are created and and you know why would you put this up for free, for example, uh, these tools and and how to build a community around it. I think that that would be super super useful information and really interesting in my point of view. So uh, let us know, like in the comments or on Twitter or wherever. Uh, you know, what would be interesting to you and, and we would love to get your feedback on that. Absolutely. We will, uh, we're reading all the comments. We'll go back, take them, take them back to our group and, uh, and try, to, try to execute on those. Richard, thank you for being here. Anything else that you want to share before we take off? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm good. I think, uh, 
I think this is fun. And so, uh, you know, just, you know, hit me up on Twitter or LinkedIn if you, if you have any questions or comments on the stuff we did today. And then uh, we'll see you next time. Cool. Thanks, Rich. And we will be live again next Tuesday, May 10th. Join INE Blue Team instructor Jason Alvarado for a live demo of the all-new digital forensics in-browser lab. You can learn new techniques, take notes, get your questions answered with our live Q&A. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social platform you're using right now so that you can stay in the loop for details anytime we stream and get those notifications when we go live. As always, next week, bring your questions. We'll see you next time. Until then, have a great week.